You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old. Trouble on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Kick him 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 out the door. Welcome to Radical Australia and Community Radio. 3CR. My name is Joseph Toscano. The producer is the erstwhile Kelly Whitworth. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is also streaming on 3cr.org.au. Now, young Kelly has put her hand in the bucket or the barrel. We have so many guests booked up and she's pulled out. Now, let's see, Joe. Get this right, you idiot. Aaron Malvanganum. You've got it right. Oh, I can't believe it. Mal, <laughs> first time in seven years. Of doing this <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a very interesting name. I think before we go into things, can you tell us the background of the name? Yeah, so the, the name is a, is a Tamil name named after Lord Muruga, uh, who's a, a tribal lord uh, in, uh, from South India. Right. There isn't, a, there isn't a Dutch connection? No, there's no Dutch connection. Uh, it, it basically means a big peacock wakel. That's how you translate that. Right. Um, this yeah, tribal lord who, has a, uh, you know, who travels around uh, uh, on a peacock... Right. Uh, and it's named after him. Right, you're named you after know. him. Yeah. yeah. Have you got a peacock? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a pity, Aaron. They're, they're noisy little buggers, aren't they, peacocks? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, people look at them and they say, oh, how, how nice they look, but they can be pretty evil. Now, Aaron, just to orientate our listeners, what year were you born? In 1983. Right, and where were you born? I was born in northern Sri Lanka. Um, uh, we call it Tamilulam. Uh, it was during the, the Civil War, um, or the, the war between the, the Tamils and the Sri Lankan state. Uh, in, like while uh, you know, while I was a baby, you know, there were riots, you know, which uh, killed tens of thousands of uh, Tamils. Um, and I, you know, ever since I was born. Uh, uh, the you know the war between the Tamils and uh, the state uh, intensified. 
to the point where by mid nineties uh, I was effectively living in a in a war zone surrounded by bombs uh, from uh, planes as well as artillery attacks. Um, yeah. Could you tell us? Um, are your parents still alive? My parents are alive. Mm. Can you tell us what type of parents they were like? Yeah, yeah. My dad was a fisherman. My mum was a housewife. Um, the, the village that I'm from, it's a it's a, it's a sandy uh, sandy village. Uh, it's like it's like a desert, but you know you have jungle as well. Mm. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, it, it's surrounded by the the Indian Ocean. Uh, and my dad was a fisherman. He uh, stopped studying after grade five because uh, we didn't have a uh, school uh, 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 in our village. You had to go to um, nearby villages uh, if you wanted to study further uh, at that time. And, um, yeah, so my dad, ever since he was, I think, 12 years old, uh, worked as a, a fisherman. Hmm. And uh, any brothers and sisters? I had uh, four siblings, uh, three brothers and a sister. We lost one brother during the war, so now I have two brothers and a sister. Right. Was your brother actively participating or was he basically um, killed um, during the war itself or was actually participating as a combatant? He was uh, 13 years old. He uh, was just a school student. Mm -hmm. Um, So my village, uh, Nagar Koval, we, you know, our school was attacked uh, by the Sri Lankan Air Force back in 1995. Uh, and uh, they dropped several bombs over the, the school and, and nearby areas. Uh, and, you know, we lost tw- over 20 children uh, that day alone. And my brother was basically uh, sh- chopped in half by a bomb shrapnel uh, mm. before my eyes. Right. And, yeah. Mm. Can you give us some background to this war or the civil war because I think a lot of people listening may have forgotten or are not aware of the background. Uh, why did it come to civil war and um, um, what were the reasons behind it? Yeah, so, uh, the, you know, Tamils are indigenous to the north and east of uh, uh, Sri Lanka uh, and Sinhala people are uh, indigenous to uh, the the rest of uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, we had various uh, invaders, uh, the Portuguese, Dutch, and then British. Uh, when the British came, uh, they promoted, um, you know, they promoted uh, ethnic divisions in order to maintain their rule. And um, by by the time they left. The island in 1848, uh, they, sorry, 1948, they promoted uh, singular nationalists uh, to top positions. 
and uh, after they left, uh, these nationalist leaders, um, you know, divided the country uh, even further by uh, coming up with uh, discriminatory policies uh, that denied some section of Tamil citizenship. Uh, they uh, you know, made sure that uh, you know they passed this law called Single Only Act, which meant that anybody who couldn't speak Singala, uh, the majority's language, uh, were denied government jobs and um, uh, became unemployed uh, overnight. Uh, and you know, Buddhist extremism was uh, becoming uh, a part of uh, the government's uh, decision making as time went by. Uh, to the point where by mid-70s, uh, Tamil youth, uh, on one hand, uh, were fed up with government's discriminatory policies and also lost hope with Tamils who were leading non-violent uh, uh, resistance, and they decided to take up arms to fight for their homeland. Uh, and that's how uh, Tamil Tigers, an armed group, uh, emerged. Uh, Tamil Tigers uh, fought for uh, uh, an independent Tamil homeland. Uh, it's the, the historical name is uh, Tamilulam. Uh, they fought for it in the, the north and east. Uh, they formed a de facto Tamil state by early 90s. Um, and uh, in, in the 2000s, early 2000s, there were peace talks between the Tamils and the, the Sri Lankan government. Uh, which was undermined by Western governments, uh, particularly the US and the UK. And Australia is one of those uh, countries that aided um, uh, or made things worse for Tamils. And in 2009, they provided diplomatic support and, and financial assistance to uh, wipe out the, the Tamil resistance. And, and along with that, uh, tens of thousands, over 100,000 Tamils uh, were murdered. Um, so that's that's the, the history of uh, Tamil struggle uh, in Sri Lanka in a nutshell. Right. Now, what's happened since then? So since, uh, are we talking about since 2009? Yes. Yes, so since 2009, uh, there has been a military occupation in the north and east. For every five Tamil, there is an army member present. Uh, and, you know, the Rajapaksha brothers who, uh, or, you know, who, uh, who killed tens of thousands of Tamils, uh, in 2009, um, you know, promoted more of their family members to senior positions within the government. And uh, you know, they've been using, uh, uh, they've been settling uh, single people in the north uh, and east to uh, change the demography. Um, you know, and in the meantime, Tamils have been resisting against land grabbing. Uh, there's been protests by uh, Tamil mothers who have been looking for their loved ones who were forcibly uh, disappeared by the Rajapaksas, not just in 2009, but, um, you know, up to, like, there were many people, you know, being forcibly disappeared up to probably 2013 and 14. Um, yeah, and, and then the struggle uh, continues to this date. Uh, 
where you know Tamils are still resisting the military occupation. Tens of thousands of uh, Tamils fled uh, Sri Lanka and, and came to countries like Australia as refugees. Um, you know, and, and governments like the the ones uh, in Australia has been, on one hand, demonising people who uh, fled that situation by locking them up uh, in detention centres, uh, you know, uh, indefinite detention uh, for many, where as you had given them negative security assessments and, and people ended up spending more than 10 years uh, in, in detention. Um, and, you know, under the Labor yes, government, yeah. they introduced mm. enhanced screening process. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people were deported back. Getting back to the situation when your brother was murdered, um, how old were you? He was 13. How old were you? I was uh, 11 uh, at that time. Right. And did you have to break the news to your family? or? Actually, minutes before my brother was chopped in half, I was hiding under a tamarind tree. I managed to uh, join my mum and dad. Uh, mm. when the bomb uh, fell. Um, uh, but unfortunately, my brother, who was running towards us, uh, he was uh, you know, chopped in half before our eyes. Mm. So how did your family um, deal with the situation? Because obviously you're all at risk at that particular point in time. At that particular moment, uh, we all ran in all directions uh, because the bomb was just right in front of us. Mm. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like we were not running towards our brother. We were running, you know, in all directions yep. Yep. to save ourselves. Uh, but we came back uh, once the plane left, uh, only to find not just my brother, but three of my cousins. One was just six years old, um, Tarasini. Uh, we picked her up in pieces, uh, effectively, um, and, and many of my friends. Mm. It's um, it's a day that I will never forget, Joe. It's a, it's a day that has um, uh, changed me uh, uh, forever. Like it is, it is one single event that has turned into a social activist. Mm. So after that, um, after the funerals, did your family still stay there or did they try to uh, leave? Yeah, soon after the funeral, we were hit with artillery attacks as well uh, from the military base. And um, so it became, the, the whole village was destroyed uh, by the, the Sri Lankan military. So we went uh, by food to... Tamil Tiger controlled area where we were to be safer, um, where we had support. Um, uh, we were, you know, not just uh, our village, but um, over 500,000 Tamils uh, during this period uprooted from Jaffna and moved uh, to Vani, a jungle area, uh, which was in Tamil Tiger's control. So, so what happened to your education during this period? During this period, uh, you know, no education at all. Um, so we, you know, the schools were turned into internally displaced uh, camps. 
Um, and um, yeah, we had no education. Our family and friends would would tutor us at home, um, uh, but you didn't think about education. You what you we were thinking about surviving uh, the, the the bomb attacks. When you spoke about the peace talks, which were torpedoed by the UK, US, and Australia. Why were they torpedoed? What was the strategic uh, interest? Because this, you know, Sri Lanka is really not that important, is it? Sri Lanka is important uh, if you want to have a control of the Indian Ocean. Uh, It's in a strategic uh, uh, position. A lot of the the trade route between the Middle East and and, and other parts, uh, Sri Lanka is in a uh, is in a very good position, uh, and so the Western governments have always had their eye on the Tringamala Harbour, which is one of the uh, finest harbours, uh, finest natural harbours in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and um, uh, it was never, you know, it was never in the interest of Western governments to see two states that they had to deal with in Sri Lanka. Uh, two different groups of people to to deal with. Uh, So, uh, you know, my view is that they wanted to see a unitary state and, you know, they do, they they achieve that by, on one hand, wiping out the the Tamil resistance and and provide all sorts of support to the Sri Lankan government. Mm. Are there any foreign military bases in Sri Lanka? There are joint... Uh, military exercises uh, between uh, Sri Lankan Army and the US, Australia, India, um, uh, and UK as well. Uh, even as recently as last year, the UK police have been uh, providing uh, support to Sri Lankan police. Uh, yeah, the, the security agencies cooperate with uh, the, the Western security agencies. Mm-hmm. So what's been the position of uh, India in relation to that, your particular independence struggle? India uh, supported the struggle in the 70s. Um, and this is partly because there is a sizable Tamil population in the south of India. There are 80 million Tamils um, in, in Tamil Nadu. And uh, due to the pressure and uh, and also probably was in the interest of uh, Indian state at that time to support the Tamil struggle. But by mid-80s, uh, India changed its position and it was quite determined to uh, wipe out the Tamil resistance. Uh, in the late 80s, India sent a peacekeeping force, uh, which was uh, there to wipe out the, the Tamil resistance. Um, and, uh, you know, for three years, they did all sorts of uh, terrible things to Tamil people in the north and east. Uh, thousands of Tamils were killed. Many women were raped. Um, yeah, there would be those arbitrary hangings um, uh, in in villages who were, uh, you know, su- suspected of uh, providing, you know, little things like water mm-hmm. to Tamil tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so India has. Uh, 
India has been part of the problem for Tamils in in Sri Lanka. Now, I just want to kind of encapsulate now, so people understand how big is Sri Lanka? How big is it saying compared to say Victoria? Sri Lanka has a population that is similar to Australia, mm. but it's—I would say—it's smaller than Tasmania. Um, much mm. smaller, yeah, which smaller than Tasmania. It's a, it's a tiny island. It's uh, it's like a teardrop uh, under uh, India. Right. So it's it's about the size of Tasmania with twenty-five million people. That's right. And how many would be Tamils? Well, ta- the Tamil population has significantly uh, shrunk mm. um, uh, due to the war. Uh, so I would say at the moment, um, like 70% would be Sinhala. Right. And Tamils, Muslims, plantation Tamils would make up the, the 30% or the 25%. So so the area in which which was being bombed, strafed, and the Indian, Indian troops there, was that what? Big as Melbourne, or you know, Melbourne's about ninety kilometres by about seventy kilometres. Or we're talking about very small areas, aren't, aren't we? They're tiny areas, yeah. Uh, but I like I wouldn't be able to. No, but I'm just saying. I just want to get people to understand that we're not talking about these huge countries. We're just talking about really small, concentrated areas with lots of people in them. You know. Yeah. That's right. So, how That's many right. people do you think have died since the seventies on the Tamil side? Um, yeah, it's very um, difficult to get a, a you know right. Yeah, number, just just roughly, just roughly. Yeah, yeah. at least two hundred thousand people would have died. What out of a population of six or seven million? Uh, or uh, yeah, in the, in the north and east, the population would have been. Maybe about three to four million. Three to four million. So, so every yeah. family is touched. Every family's been touched. In that's right. Right. Now, let's get back to your individual situation. Were you and your family there when the uh, final massacres occurred? I came here as a refugee in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came here alone at the age of 13. How, how, how did you get here? Uh, I came by plane. Right. So. An agent uh, arranges you to uh, get out of Sri Lanka, and um, I arrived at uh, Sydney International Airport. Um, I had no visa, and uh, they took me into detention. Right. So tell us about that day you arrived at Sydney International Airport as a 13-year-old. Did you have any, Did you have any English? I had no English at all, right. but. I could hear them saying visa because it's a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a language that every refugee understands, a word that every refugee understands. Um, and so I was just laughing at the officer, smiling at the officer, mm-hmm. not laughing. Uh, and uh, they yeah, uh, figured out uh, soon that I was, there, I was here to seek uh, asylum. Mm-hmm. They took me into uh, an office room, they interviewed me, and then uh, they took me to Willowood Detention Centre. Uh, and I remember that day alone, they probably picked up quite a lot of Tamils mm-hmm. uh, at the airport. There were a lot of Tamils fleeing Sri Lanka at that time. Uh, and when I was taken to Willowood Detention Centre, there were many other Tamils as well, probably well over 100 Tamils uh, uh, at that time. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it was quite a scary night. Um, I've yeah, I was in Captain uh, Stage One, which is a tiny area. Uh, they had two stages. Stage two is more open space, whereas Stage One, uh, you're locked in room basically most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always uh, in Stage One. Uh, I, you know, they would come and they would lock the room. Uh, like I was given a separate room because I was a minor mm-hmm. and they would lock the room after like nine o'clock or something uh, and they would open it seven in the morning uh, and, and you get uh, three meals a day. Uh, so you have to line up just like I had to while I was in the internally displaced camp in the war zone. Um, there are certain, you can only eat during certain times. Um, and uh, yeah, I've uh, it was a it was a quite a scary uh, experience, um, uh, an experience that uh, I still uh, remember, Joe. Mm. Uh, you would vividly, vividly remember it. Yeah, like you know, people were going on hunger strike. Like I still don't know what happened to a Pakistani man who was on hunger strike for many days. He would refuse to eat. Um, I think he was fighting deportation, and uh, and one day he disappeared, and nobody explained to me uh, what had happened to him. Right. Um, so, how long were you kept in Villawood Detention Centre as a minor? Uh, fortunately, I was there uh, only for three months. Right. Uh, it was around a time when the Howard government was starting to uh, starting to get stricter on or starting to introduce uh, racist uh, policies directed at refugees. Right. And after three months, where, where did you end up? I ended up in Dandenong, in Melbourne. As a 13-year-old, with no family, no contacts. Yeah, so there's a, there's a separate side to this as well, mm-hmm. uh, where my elder brother, who had uh, fled uh, the war zone earlier, had also managed to come to Australia around the, the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when I was released uh, from Willowwood Detention Centre, I was uh, brought to uh, Dandenong uh, to be reunited with my brother, who was, I think, 16 years old at that time. Well, that was one positive thing. That's right. It would have been, would have been an exceptional moment. I'm sure you remember it when you saw him again. Yeah, I, st- I still remember... Like I had separated from my, uh, I had been separated from my brother soon after the school attack. Mm. Uh, so it was two years. Him being on the run, he was locked up in uh, countries like Sierra Leone before he managed to come to Australia. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember uh, meeting him at the airport. Uh, I still remember that first time I got into the car from. Uh, uh, Melbourne Airport to Dandenong. Mm. Um, uh, I, I was vomiting. Um, I still remember that. Um, yeah, it's um, you know came to Dandenong. I have ever uh, since, since then. I've lived in Dandenong for the last uh, 25 uh, years. Uh, but there were a lot of struggles we went through, especially during the time when I didn't have my parents here. Mm. Uh, that was from '97 till. Uh, early 2000, um, I yeah struggled 
uh, not just, uh, you know, being a refugee uh, in the community, but uh, the, the economic struggle that uh, came with it. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Thank you, 3CR. We love you. You're listening to Radical Australia on 3cr.org.au. This program is also podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program can be heard directly from 3CR 855 on your AM dial. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm the host of today's program. Right. Did you, were you able to go to school? able to go to school. I went to language school, mm-hmm. um, which uh, Noble Park Language School, and then I went to a few different uh, schools uh, in Dandenong. And how, did, how were you um, uh, treated in these schools? Were you accepted? or A lot of the time, uh, you know, you, you face the, the little issues uh, to do with uh, racism and, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of kids in Dandenong actually had their own uh, struggle. Mm. You know, it wasn't just me who was turning up to school without having had uh, a meal in the morning. Uh, a lot of kids were uh, struggling. It's, yes. uh, it's an area where uh, even then had high unemployment rate. A lot of people were living below poverty line. Uh, so while, you know, I didn't have my parents and uh, you know, had my own struggle. Uh, a lot of my friends are also struggling. Right. So you said your parents, you were actually able to get your parents to Australia? Yes. Um, because of my own struggles in the community, I had been, uh, my mental health had uh, deteriorated by early 2000. Uh, so the Howard government, that was, uh, refusing to let my parents come to Australia, mm. eventually was uh, put in a position they had to let my parents, uh, grant my parents a visa to come to Australia uh, because I was admitted in hospital. I had severe uh, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, and so, yeah, the, my parents, uh, re- were, I was reunited with my parents by uh, end of 2000, I think. Right, and so what? Three or four years was there in between before you That's see your right, parents yeah. again, and did that help your the situation you found yourself in? Yeah, so you know, all of a sudden, I was starting to um, I was paying more attention uh, to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah quickly picked things up, and uh, I uh, yeah uh, you know completed my VCE. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, a really good inter score, um, which I'm always proud of. I, well, tell us what tell us tell what it was. Come on, you can well, boast. It was, ni- <laughs> <laughs> it was ninety-three. Whoa, ninety-three at Dandenong Public School. That that's extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's right. I mean, because of all Un- the distractions. Under, yeah, yeah. Underfunded uh, high school. Exactly. You know? Underfunded um, high school and, yeah. and what you've been through. Not just the trauma, but the, the depression. And, yes, 93. So what, what, what did that lead to? What did you do? Um, I ended up studying at Monash University. Where else? Uh, where else? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I did uh, Bachelor of Science and Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while... I was studying, you know, that's when the war escalated uh, in Sri Lanka. And, um, you know, Tamils were starting to be murdered again by the state. Uh, and and so I got involved in uh, activism. Uh, I organized my first um, rally um I organised my first rally uh, outside the the state library. Uh, I believe it was two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. uh, and and I was interviewed by Salvation, who uh, was a radio presenter on three CR. Right. Uh, and soon after, I was actually helping him with uh, his shows. Hang on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, Aaron. Are you are you a three CR graduate? That's right. <laughs> No, don't tell me. Don't tell me you did years on the Tamil show. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did my own show as well, Tamil Manifest, uh-huh. uh, on Saturday. Right. Uh, but also held salvation for a very long time. He passed away two years ago oh. during the pandemic. But, right. um, uh, yeah, spent years uh, uh, with salvation. I've been, been trained by 3CR. I, I think I, I became an activist, uh, you know, not just for Tamil rights, but uh, you know, focus on the broader struggles as well because mm. of my uh, involvement at 3CR and then the and the people that I met there. So how, how did that, how did that, those ideas broaden? In what directions did you move into? Yeah, so you know you. Obviously, see how refugees, are, how Tamils are being treated. Um, I was a member of the Labour Party at this time, and uh, and then I saw how the Labour Party was, uh, you know, treating Tamil refugees. Uh, and then you, you know, start meeting uh, trade unionists um, who, uh, you know, talk to you about the the link between uh, the the struggles of refugees. Uh, and uh, and other struggles in society, particularly workers uh, workers struggles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, you start making the connection that you know these racist policies are not uh, you know not there to you know firstly you know they're ruining the lives of refugees, they're ruining the lives of Tamils and other migrant groups, uh, but it's not actually. Uh, it's not actually being introduced to uh, advance the interests of white people in this country. It's actually uh, introduced to undermine the interests of white people in this country as well, you know. And um, uh, so you you start making that uh, connection, you know, and uh, you get to know about the way Aboriginal people have been treated as well. Uh, You know, listen to people like uh, Robbie Thorpe and uh, Viv Marlow, um, yeah, and um, and all of a sudden, I I'm part of the, part of the the activist network uh, in Melbourne, trying to 
challenge uh, uh, every aspect of uh, Australian uh, state. Mm. Look, uh, are you invo- are you involved in wage slavery these days, or, or you're, a, you're not a full time activist? Hopefully. Uh, well, I uh, well, was working as a union organizer. Union, well, that, uh, that, 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 yeah, that's a job. That's wage slavery. That's union, right. what, what union were you organizing for? I started organizing. Well, initially, I was a union delegate in a contact center right. uh, in uh, in Melbourne, trying to uh, help uh, people with their banking services, uh, and then um, I. You know, I was a delegate. I tried to organise that side. You know, did did well, uh, and then a finance sector union uh, got me to become the union organiser. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just before the pandemic, I started working with the Australian Workers Union, trying to help uh, some of the the migrant workers, mm-hmm. you know, Tamils and Hazaras and other uh, other workers. Yes. Uh, who who are massively underpaid, you know, and uh, um, yeah, I've uh, so that's what I've been doing. So you still you still with the AWU? Uh, well, just because of the election campaign, um, uh, I no, we'll, currently... we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah. I don't think people know this. <laughs> this is the big. This is the big one. <laughs> All right, I want to go back. So, I, yeah, it's very sad. I remember in the seventies, the AWU. Just in Victoria, had over two hundred and fifty thousand members, but because of the destruction of uh, manufacturing in the state, which was the you know the manufacturing state, I think it's only down to it's about twenty five thousand now. I was talking to some of the retired members who are basically uh, lamenting the situation they find themselves in. But it's good to see they've got young people now, uh, you know, actively working. So, what areas? Does the manufacturing union covering? What type of workers were you covering as an organiser? Yeah, the Australian Workers Union uh, covers wide range of uh, workers, but I was looking after workers in manufacturing mm-hmm. and uh, recycling. Um, that was largely what I was doing. A bit of construction as well. Were they? Were they? Was there a fear about joining the unions? I mean, you know, joining a union, you know, people uh, people haven't been... A lot of workers nowadays haven't even seen a proper strike, you know. Mm. Uh, people, yeah, people haven't heard of unions uh, uh, much. Um, uh, and uh, so it's always struggle to... It's always a struggle to convince uh, workers to join the union when they haven't had much uh, exposure. Uh, but I've, and also it's complicated by the fact that people can't uh, speak English and all that. But you know, the moment they have issues in their workplace, I think they get this idea that you know they need to unite and fight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know you you see union. Uh, uh, forming organically uh, in, in workplaces as a result of uh, their uh, particular experiences in that workplace. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the in the finance sector where you have white collar workers, there's more fear uh, amongst them uh, than uh, in the blue collar industries. Yeah, um, obviously they're worried about promotion. Yeah, promotion plus also people are not. 
Yeah, people are not uh, like the, yeah the, the 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 focus on the individual is more widespread uh, in in white collar uh, right. compared to the, the yeah. local and, and individual contracts too is a bigger problem in the white collar industry, I assume. That's right. Now, you said you were a member of the Labor Party, and the key word was were. So did you move into any other type of political group after you left the Labor Party? I was briefly involved with the Greens. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was uh, during the 2010 election. The Tamil community uh, was so unhappy with the way the Labor Party treated uh, our people. You know, the way they were supporting the right of regime in Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, the entire Tamil community uh, got behind the Greens mm. in 2010. Um, uh, and, and I, you know, I was involved with the, in, the, in the Greens at that time. Uh, but then you start, you start uh, realising that uh, as, a, as a working class person, um, your interests are not really better uh, served by the, the Greens, you know, I just never had a, <laughs> I just never, uh, I could never get along with the, the, the Greens membership, you know, mm, yeah. uh, it's largely middle class, um, it was never about taking on the system, uh, although they had really good policies uh, on some issues, um, I I just could never be part of the Greens and, and that's how I ended up becoming a socialist. Right, so when you said you became a socialist, did you join a particular organisation or it's just a generic term you're using? It's, it's just a generic term at, at that time. I wanted to, um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to see an end to all issues in society. Uh, I couldn't see a way... Uh, uh, I couldn't see any change coming out of Parliament, and you know, I, uh, I just, yeah, I just saw all the institutions were working in the interest of tiny minority. Uh, um, you know, for most people, mm. uh, you know, we need to see radical uh, changes, and that's only possible through, uh, um, you know, through socialism. Right, and did, did you eventually join a, a socialist group? I am currently a member of a socialist group, so I'm part of uh, Victorian uh, Socialists, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, uh, and I, I am their Senate candidate in the, the upcoming federal election. Right, so I assume that there's two of you, are there? Uh, so that's you've right. Got, yes. So you've got a box above the line? That's right. Right. So... So the Victorian Socialists haven't been deregistered yet uh, by the uh, federal government with the the dilemma with the uh, increase in membership from 500 to 1,500? Yeah, so we managed to get the, the registration. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we are a registered political party. Obviously, they have made it difficult for uh, for new political parties to, to arise. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we managed to get the, the numbers. Right. So is the Victorian Socialist, is that a, a new organisation or...? or um... Yeah, so it's a, it's a new political party, relatively new political party, mm-hmm. uh, made up of 
trade unionists, activists, you know, socialists. Um, uh, socialist alternative uh, is uh, is part of. Uh, well, m- many of the members of Socialist Alternative are part of uh, Victorian Socialists. There are independent socialists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a, a party that was formed in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, uh, we uh, ran in the, the state election, council election. Uh, we have a councillor in uh, Maribyrnong. Um, yeah. And so... What policies are you taking to the electorate for uh, this, the Senate campaign specifically? Well, you know, we want to see uh, essential services being in the hands of the, the public. Uh, we want uh, the, the rich to be taxed heavily. In fact, anybody earning over 300000 uh, should be taxed at 90% and use that money to fund uh, all the, the services. Uh, we want refugees uh, to be granted uh, the basic rights uh, every citizen in this country has. Uh, refugees have been part of our community for more than 10 years, um, are denied uh, you know, the right to uh, elect uh, politicians to parliament. They mm-hmm. are denied uh, government support, work rights, you know, all sorts of basic rights have been denied to them. Um, we want to see, um, you know, union strengthened. We want to see massive improvement to working conditions. Um, it's not okay that people work full-time hours and yet uh, struggle to look after their family. Um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, many other policies as well, Joe. I... Uh, I encourage people to go to the Victorian Socialist website and check out our party platform. We want to give voice to, um, you know, we want to see a system that puts people uh, before profits. And, uh, you know, we want to see uh, all the privatizations that has happened under not just liberals, but labor as well, mm-hmm. uh, reversed. Um, we want... You know, healthcare to be uh, free for all. Uh, we want uh, ed- education should be free. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, yeah, there's uh, many other things. <laughs> no, sure there's, there's, all, there's always there's always. Please, our listeners know what socialist demands are. Right. Well, <laughs> we're hoping we don't actually broadcast to just 3CR listeners on Radical Australia because with a podcast you never know who's listening. That's, right. That's the beauty of podcasts. So don't just think, Aaron, because you were here once, that it's, we just broadcast to 3CR listeners. Most of them are dead anyway, so we've got to look for new <laughs> new, new horizons. <laughs> well, it is an old station. It's you know approaching 50 years. You know, you've got to understand that and uh, people disappear, as they say. Now, Aaron, are you a Victorian socialist? Are you going to do direct preferences, or have you got any policy on that at this stage, or are you still working on it, seeing who's going to? Well, it's actually quite straightforward uh, for us. We mm-hmm. wouldn't be doing any uh, deals mm-hmm. uh, with with anyone. It'll be the most progressive party to the least progressive. Right. Uh, so we, you know, we'll put liberals and the the far right groups last. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, will put. Uh, 
uh, Greens ahead of Labor, mm-hmm. um, and any other socialists running will be preference uh, right. uh, ahead of uh, everyone else. Right, and, and as far as um, campaign funding is concerned, are you uh, open to donations or not? We would love to get uh, donations, uh, as long as you're not a millionaire and a billionaire. We What, Clive can't give to you? The yellow brigade. The yellow brigade can't give you money. What's going on, Aaron? You got you've, you've got ethics or something? <laughs> we, you know, our campaigns. Uh, uh, you know, we don't want environmental vandals to, uh, you know, fund our campaigns. You know, I mean, right. they, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're more than welcome to throw money at us, but there will be no favors. You know, right. there will be no, yeah. You mean if I gave you a million dollars, you wouldn't make me minister for, uh, you know, defence or something? I couldn't be Mr Dutton's understudy. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, Aaron, it's, it's, what's know, the point of talking to you? <laughs> this election campaign is, you know, the chances of getting a socialist into federal parliament is quite slim at this point. Uh, but it is about amplifying the, the voices of the, the, the struggles we represent. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been meeting quite a lot of people um, over the last few months, uh, and I've been listening to so many people's uh, stories. Uh, and I, you know, I just want to highlight those stories as I'm campaigning uh, for myself to be elected to parliament. Um, you know, and if I managed to get uh, uh, lots of uh, votes to send a message to uh, uh, major political parties that people are after progressive change, that itself is a win for me. Right. And I hope that at some point we'll have a socialist voice in parliament because that's the only, you know, the only people who represent the, the, the interest of working people uh, is a socialist. And so it's important that we have a socialist voice in parliament. Right. Now, look, I uh, do a fair bit of travelling in my work and I've seen a lot of uh, election posters go up and there's a lot of white bread around. Are there any pictures of you anywhere, uh, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, you know, many parts of uh, Melbourne people are putting up core floats. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, uh, you know, yesterday I was out in Braybrook uh, putting up uh, core floats um, yeah, in northern metro and western. Hang metro on, hang Western's on, hang on, Aaron. This is this is uh, this is unusual. You're a candidate, haven't you? Got a, an army of paid volunteers like Mr. Palmer has putting up clawfoots <laughs> for you. You're not putting up your own, are you? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I do have uh, lots of volunteers, <laughs> but they don't, they don't uh, get I, paid, obviously. They're not, not going to get paid. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they want to get paid. You know, that's that's the thing. You know, like my campaign. It's a people-powered campaign. People are genuinely getting involved. In Dandenong alone, I have like almost over 100 refugees who have put their hand up to, uh, you know, to volunteer in this campaign. Like for many refugees, you know, they don't have the right to vote. You know, they can't have a say in any other way. For them, you know, they're putting up call flutes. They're volunteering to hand out how to vote cards on election day. They want to see Liberals kicked out of power. They want to send a message to Labour Party that they can't keep on treating refugees like the way they have uh, done it uh, over the years. 
Yeah, I think I think obviously you're making an exceptionally important point. I think what you've demonstrated is that um, you do need a range of candidates. Unfortunately, what we see these days with the tightening of the electoral laws as far as political parties are concerned, that the range is diminishing. What I noticed as I drive around and looking at all these white bread um, election uh, core flutes, that uh, diversity seems to have disappeared. Really, it, it's not increasing; it's actually decreasing, which is which is amazing. Now, getting so look, I wish you all the best with the campaign, obviously, and uh, hopefully, uh, people will flock to the Victorian Socialist uh, website to get some more information, and uh, maybe they can contact you directly. Now, I just want in the last few minutes, I just want to ask you just a few more questions. How have your parents settled into Australia? Uh, have my parents settled into Australia? Yeah, have they settled uh, well or...? Look, I think it's a, I mean, it's a struggle, you know. You, uh, you're you separated from the community that you knew all your life. All of a sudden, they have to... You know, they can't speak English. Uh, they have all sorts of health issues as a result of the war experience. Uh, it's a struggle for them. And I can see that they miss their, you know siblings and uh, and others mm. that they had to leave behind and, and come to a strange country. So they now have uh, grandchildren to, to play with. Um, I have a daughter who's uh, six years old uh, who never stops talking. Um, she must take you know, after her father, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully she does a bit of activism as well, not that's, just talking. That's good, yeah. Oh, well, she's only six. You can't expect to do more than that. You're not going to be one of these politicians that's going to put her in an ad or something, eh? You're not, you're not, you're not going to be a Scott Morrison, eh? No, 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 no way. No. Yeah, look, uh, I, think, uh, I think you should be very proud of yourself, what you've achieved considering um, the situation you found yourself in as a young boy. I mean, it's an extraordinary story. Have you ever thought about writing it down? I haven't thought about writing it down. I think there's so many autobiographies out there. What uh, you know? Well, no, 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 no. I think I think there are autobiographies and autobiographies, and I think um, I think a lot of people uh, forget how. I mean, I'm from a migrant background. I think a lot of people forget how difficult it can be finding yourself in a strange country, not speaking the language, and uh, the fact is that uh, this what the path you travelled and the fact that speaking, you've never forgotten where you came from and that's the problem for a lot of migrant communities. They actually forget where they came from. You've actually kept that dear to your heart and as part of your guiding principles as far as your life is concerned. And I think that's why your autobiography would be a little bit different. You don't say, oh, I came with nothing, I'm now a billionaire after exploiting people. You know, It's a different story, which I don't think people hear. That's right. You know, I, you know, I do want to uh, see migrant communities being, you know, more involved in uh, politics, more involved in, you know, fighting for their rights. You know, and uh, if that's going to help, maybe I'll consider uh, writing my own story at at some point. But I, you know, the, you know, the 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 you know, how do I say it? Uh, everything around me is, is it's like being in a war zone in this country, you know. 
working conditions are deteriorating, planet is burning, mm. um, and I, you know, I do want to see uh, an immediate end to uh, end to all these problems, you know. And I, I think people uh, should join in the struggle and 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 fight together. Um, yeah, I've, mm. so when I find time, I'll write the book. But in the meantime. You know, keep struggling. We should all be fighting, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, Aaron, look, uh, we ask the serious questions here on Radical Australia, and I'm going to ask you the most serious question you'll ever be asked during this campaign. There's Albo, there's ScoMo. Who are you? Well, you know, I'm Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Aaron. Good uh, answer. Excellent. It's about time we stop trivialising politics because it's a, an exceptionally important game. And it's not even a game. It's a, it's about life. That's right. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm Aaron, who doesn't just turn up during election time. I'm Aaron, who's been part of the community, fighting for people's rights uh, ever since I've been, uh, you know, I've been able to do it. Uh, you know, as soon as I got out of uh, a, uh, university, I've been fighting for Tamil rights, been fighting for refugee rights, been fighting for workers' rights. And I, you know, want to, uh, now I'm running in the election because I want to fight for a world that works for everyone, mm. not a tiny minority. Mm. And, and I have a track record of standing on the street, trying to build a movement uh, of, uh, you know, ordinary people. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's who I am. I'm not Albo, I'm Scoremore. I'm right. Aaron. Good. I'm thank you fight. very much on that positive note. And thank you for speaking to us. Aaron Malvanganam, and I wish you all the best in the election. If you wish to vote for the Victorian Socialists in the Senate election, you put the number one in their box above the line. And don't forget, you need to put in five preferences after that. You've got to mark six boxes above the line, 12 boxes if you vote below the line. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you, Joe.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.